Good morning, everyone. Won't you stand this morning and help us as we usher in God's presence into this service? You know, we're expecting great things today. So whether you need healing in your body or hope for a desperate situation or just clarity for the little things in life, He's here and He wants to meet you at that need today. Let's worship Him.
Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Thank you for your presence today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm happy to see you today. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm happy to see you too. I'm not leaving you out. You may be seated this morning. Good morning, Grace Church. I'm happy to see all of you here today. It is good to be in the house of God. Pastor asked me to promote an upcoming event with you today. And I want to share with you the heartbeat, the purpose behind this event that we are calling Night of Worship. I want you to understand kind of what's coming behind the scenes. Again, the purpose, the mission for this particular event. But let me go back a little bit. You may remember on January 3rd, Pastor preached a message here entitled, It's Time to Climb Again. Allow me to encapsulate three points that he made in that service with you before I move on to our event. First, he talked about Mount Ararat and noted it as being a place of hope and a place of refuge. Noah had built an ark. His family boarded the ark. The flood came. And then after the flood, they seemed to feel left adrift, maybe even feeling forgotten. Noah had heard nothing from heaven. But in keeping with the character of God, the Bible goes on to say, but God remembered Noah. Mount Ararat is revealed as God's safe place, God's preservation. Has anybody learned to appreciate a Mount Ararat in your life? Appreciating the hope and the refuge that he gives to us, amen? The next mountain that Pastor spoke about was Mount Moriah, a place of obedience and a place of sacrifice. It was there that Abraham offered his son. Later in scripture, he spoke that the widow had given two copper coins and it was all that she had. As it happens, we're on the heels, just finishing 21 days of united sacrifice and consecration to God. And we're learning each day to give more of ourselves to him and to his kingdom. But finally, the last point that I wanna reference from this sermon Pastor talked about a mountain whose very description struck me and it has stayed with me ever since. It's Mount Sinai. Exodus 19 and 17 says, Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Sinai was where God and man came face to face. It was a place of meeting with God himself. As a church, we have to be found on this mountain. We meet with him with no time limits, no requests, no restriction. Mount Sinai is a time when we are private with God. It is the secret place. And like Moses, we cry out to God, show me your glory. Mount Sinai. This is the essence of the night of worship that I wanna to come to you and promote this morning. Our Grace Church worship team will be here on night of worship and we will have guest worship leader, Tim LeBlanc from the POA, and we will all come and sing together on this night. I want you to understand that we are not putting on a concert. We are not trying to give you something to do on a Friday night because it's been pretty boring for the past year. What we are trying to do with this effort is create an environment where you can climb 
the mountain and come face to face with God. That's the vision for Night of Worship. We are trying to create an atmosphere that's like the upper room. Grace Church, I am hungry for an encounter with God, unlike any other that I have had before, and I know that you are too. I'm finding every day that there is a battle for our attention, there is a battle for our affections and our loyalties. And I just feel like as the church of the one true and living God, it's just time to silence all this noise that keeps swirling around our heads and our minds. Just a time where we just finally say, shh, I'm listening to the voice of someone else and he's calling. And I want to come face to face with him. I want to start the climb. This is what night of worship is all about. It's about the climb. It's about an ascent to meet with our Father in the way that we have never experienced before. Brother Ben Tier preached an excellent message talking about the memories that we have and their building blocks and their foundations underneath us. And that is the absolute truth, and I am thankful I have many of them. But I'm not looking for another camp meeting. I'm not looking for another men's conference or ladies' conference or this really great prayer meeting experience that I had this one time on a Tuesday night. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for something more, something new, something that I haven't experienced before. I want to come face-to-face -face with God. Amen? I pray that 2021 is going to be the year of the church. At times last year, if I'm just being honest, it just felt like we might collapse under the weight of a very fallen and broken world. But I am believing and trusting God for greater things. Night of worship is simply an evening geared to facilitate a move of God. Nothing more and nothing less. It is not about pretty voices and talented musicians. We will sing, we will worship, and we will watch God move. It's about Him. This night is about Him. It's about making a climb so that we can see Him face to face. I hope that this is resonating with you, the purpose behind this evening. So bring your family, bring your kids, bring your friends. It is for all ages that hunger for God. It is for all ages that need God. This is not entertainment for whoever is sitting in these seats. This is to entertain the presence of God so that he's going to come down and do the work that he wants to do. I hope that all of you will gather together with us for night of worship, Friday, February 26th at 730. Please put it on your calendar. I just really feel like God wants to do something in the church and so we want to create an atmosphere and an environment where we're not coming in with any preconceived notions. This is my Sunday worship. This is my Wednesday. I'm a little more chill. And I'm just taking in the meat of the word that pastor is given. We want to put all of that aside and come freely open-minded to whatever it is that God wants to do. So when you hear night of worship promoted in the coming weeks, this is what's behind it. And we want to see an incredible move of God. Can you worship him? Thank you, Jesus. I, I, 
Y'all not as excited as I am about that. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I'm excited about that. Praise the Lord. I love worshiping God. Why do I love worshiping? Because God is good and His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures from generation to generation. That's the God we serve. He's good. He's good. Let's give Him another hand clap of praise this morning. We serve a good God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is so good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for joining us in live stream. Uh, live stream. There's only a few things that I need to go over with you this morning. Uh, parents and kids ages 16 and up, please meet in the A Center immediately following service concerning the Youth Congress. And uh, Brother Jeremy and Sister Brooke Sandlin to meet with parents and students from their class immediately following the service. Also in the A Center, they're going to speak first, and then and then the uh, Brother Mark will be speaking to the children later. Monday, February 1st at 714, United Family Prayer Time at home. If you want a transformational move of God in your lives, get your kids together and pray at home. God will begin to do things that you don't you wouldn't believe in your life. Tuesday, February 2nd, first Tuesday evening prayer here in the sanctuary. Please come and join us here on Tuesday. Friday, uh, February 5th, youth rally at Life Point Church in Prairieville at 7.30 p.m. And please remember to pre-order your Valentine's Day chocolate-covered strawberries via the website or Grand Central. Do you love the Lord? Can you stand and, and worship Him this morning? We serve a good God, church. Let's put our hands together and lift Him in praise.
here today. Thank you so much for coming, for joining us today in worship. And uh, it's amazing, wonderful, and a very sweet surprise today to see Brother and Sister Wheeler. We love Brother and Sister Wheeler, and we're glad to see you guys here today. Thank the Lord. They're doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job starting a church uh, in Port Allen, Irwinville area. And uh, we're certainly proud of them and certainly proud for them. Uh, God bless Brother and Sister Wheeler, and thank you all so very much for being here today. Uh, somebody put a note in the offering last Sunday wanting to know if the uh, section over here reserved for those who are wearing masks was still, uh, are we still doing that? Uh, I think we are. Uh, I've made it a point to walk through and notice the signs and what have you. Uh, I think the question may be, is the people that sit over there that's not wearing a mask. Um, if we, have, we do ask in respect to those that want to wear a mask, um, if you sit over there, if you wear a mask, if not, there's plenty of room everywhere else in the building if you don't want to wear one. So thank you for helping us with that. We appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> I want to thank everyone who has helped with Hands of Grace, the effort that uh, Katie has put together. Uh, looked out the window and saw folks unloading stuff this morning the coats, the jackets, all that stuff for uh, folks that need it so so desperately. I want to thank Katie for heading that up, and uh, I think the response has been outstanding. But thank all of you for participating in that and uh, making that happen. And then uh, I am super excited about our night of worship. Uh, when Casey mentioned her burden and vision for that, it just really excited me. And... Uh, uh, anxious to see what God is going to do that night. I do want to mention there will not be preaching that night. It's going to be singing only. But our ministry team will be engaged. If you need folks to come and need to be prayed for, need the Holy Ghost, need anything, that's the point. And uh, that in a moment of worship, we engage the presence of the Lord. I think lives, people's hearts should be touched. They should be ministered to. It's not to entertain anybody. So uh, remember that, and we're real, real excited about that. Thank the Lord. A lot of things is coming up at Grace Church. We're excited about the Youth Congress trip uh, that will be coming up this summer. The Youth Rally coming up. Uh, just, it, it just feels. I appreciate these times more than I did before last year. I do. I have a little more value on these times that, that we are together, and so very thankful for that. I want to read one verse of scripture this morning found in John chapter 10, verse 10, a very familiar reading. Um, some could probably quote it here today. Jesus said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's what the devil comes to do. Those of you that like flirting around with the devil and all of that kind of stuff, 
He wants to destroy you. <clears throat> but he said, I am come. Jesus said, I am come. He gives his purpose here in coming. That they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Thank the Lord. I just feel the presence of the Lord here today in such a special way. I believe the Lord would love to help somebody here today if you'll open your heart to him a little bit. Thank the Lord. I want to speak to you for a little while today on this subject. To be clean, but not whole. To be clean, but not whole. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you and your patience for standing, and you may be seated. A pastor friend of mine whose church works with homeless people and folks with addictions, I'm being very broad here. Uh, He'd probably be offended at the way I'm saying this, but I don't have time this morning to go into all that that encompasses. But his church works with homeless people, and they work with people who have addictions in the downtown area of his city. He shared this story with me a, a few years ago about a young woman, and I'll not use her name, that Jesus wonderfully delivered from a horrible life of addiction and said something to him and he related the story to me and it it caused him to stop and think and it did me as well when he related the story. He said, the pastor said, we had just finished praying with a lady in her mid-50s who had told us she was a 20-year cocaine addict. She said that she wanted to be delivered so that she could live a normal life. She wept profusely as we prayed for her and her brokenness and her very brutal honesty, he said, broke their heart. The young woman who had been delivered that I just referenced said, I know how she feels. You feel helpless and hopeless in your addiction. You want to be free, but it controls every aspect of your life. She went on to say that even now, although I have been clean 12 years, I still fear relapse. She said, sometimes I feel the temptation and the only thing that keeps me from giving in is thinking about what it would do to my husband and my kids, she said. And then she went on to say, I'm clean, but I'm not whole. The essence, or the, excuse me, the, the foundation, inspiration of this message today that I want to preach to you. My pastor friend said that when she said that, when she made that last statement, said that last sentence, he said, it stopped me in my tracks. Again, she said, I'm clean, but not whole. He said, it hit me in that moment that this was a truth being lived out by so many people. They are clean, they're forgiven, but they're not whole. They are somehow different, but not changed. There's people here today that I am aware in times past, you've been addicted to some substance, and I've heard some of you say that, Still, now and then, more often sometimes than others, 
you feel that temptation to go back to that. I heard someone say not too long ago, I'm, I'm not addicted to this thing anymore, but I think I just may go back to it. What causes this? How can we be healed? How can we be clean in our relationship with God but not whole? I've watched people surrender their hearts to God. They have poured themselves out on the altar and I've watched them as they experienced an amazing God moment. That happened here this past Sunday. As a matter of fact, I watched a couple of people have an amazing, undeniable God moment. They've been filled, not these particular people, but in general, people have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the evidence of that miracle moment was clear to anyone who was watching or listening because they spoke in other tongues as the Bible teaches. Yet I have observed people through the years walking back out into the reality of life and continue to struggle with their old nature. They had surrendered their heart But their lifestyle, their brain, did not get the message. They were different. They felt different. They even looked different. Their countenance changes when somebody is baptized with the Holy Ghost. They feel a liberty unlike anything they'd ever experienced. But they could not seem to live into their newfound hope. They still had the same desires as before. They still desired to drink. They still desired to smoke. They still wanted to party like they had always done. They still craved the rush of their drugs or activities of choice. I've actually talked to people one-on-one through the years that have said this. They would give in to those feelings only to be invaded by condemnation and guilt and shame. Then doubt would rush in and they would wonder if they had even had an experience with God at all. They would ask themselves, if I receive the Holy Spirit, then why am I still tempted to do wrong things? Why am I still feeling like my old self is still in control? I want to say to somebody here today, if that's not you, You're not by yourself. It may surprise you to find out who else is struggling in the same ways you are. I know people who have been in the church for most of their lives and they still wrestle with that feeling of condemnation and guilt. They fought it so long that they have become adept at being something they're not. They have learned how to cover up their flaws To the point that hypocrisy has become a normal way of life. They do it without thinking. They go through the motions of religious expectation being one thing on Sunday while living a completely different life the rest of the week. It's it's like the moon. They have a dark side. It's that side of them that no one ever sees. They live with secrets and thoughts that cause them shame in the midnight hours, shame that rules their minds, keeps them awake 
robbing them of rest and peace. I want somebody to understand what I'm about to say. I want you to know this. You are as spiritually and emotionally sick or unhealthy as your secrets. You may think you're getting by, but far from it. So you go limping through life, professing, but not possessing. Having to keep inventory of perhaps telling lies so that you don't say the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong place to the wrong person. And let's be honest, living a part-time religious tradition hasn't helped either. We teach and preach here a relationship with God more than we do church traditions of the past. I believe if somebody has a healthy relationship with God, you don't really need to hear that much about traditions of the past. Sometimes religious tradition of the past keeps demanding a perfection or at least the perception of perfection which we feel like we can never attain so you just live under that cloud of guilt and shame. Ultimately what it accomplishes is that it makes cynics out of those who are watching our lives. I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to say very carefully. Our kids can't decide which dad to follow. The Sunday dad who is kind to strangers are the rest of the week dad. Don't know which one to follow who watches pornography and curses at their mother. We can't figure out which mom to trust. The involved, busy in the church mom or the mom at home who cries all the time or sneaks a drink when she feels or thinks that no one is looking and she never really feels to be happy. This goes beyond the secrets we have in our homes too. Maybe it's why our world is becoming cynical of the church in so many areas because the unchurched don't know which Christian to believe in. The Christian who preaches love your neighbor while at the same time posts or likes posts on Twitter that promotes division and hatred. I've seen people who live in Facebook fantasy land. They post about their joys of marriage because, you know, Christians are supposed to have happy marriages, but in reality, they are living in the marriage from hell. With that introduction this morning, I want to preach to you a little while about being clean but not whole. I know someone that told of going through a McDonald's drive through one time and spilling coffee in his lap. Has anybody here ever done that? Nobody? One? <laughs> he said, I didn't have time. This was a pastor of a church, by the way. He said, I didn't have time to go home due to appointments that I had. So I cleaned myself up the best I could with what I had available. He said, I used napkins and just so happened to have a couple of handkerchiefs, just whatever I could find in my truck to soak up as much of the coffee as I could. He said, thankfully, I had on dark jeans so that sort of made it 
not quite so conspicuous. The problem, though, was even that even after I had soaked up as much as I possibly could and the remainder of it had dried, he said, I still smelled like coffee. He said, I visited a gentleman in the hospital, and as they, he said, as we were talking, he said, Pastor, you smell like coffee. He said, I had cleaned up the offense, but the smell gave me away. I want to propose to someone here today that God wants to take away the smell that keeps reminding you of your past and perhaps your faults and even failures, the the one that keeps reminding you of your inadequacies and weaknesses, the smell that shames you and causes you to live and, and just constant condemnation. In Daniel chapter 3, there's the story of the three Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace because... They refused to worship an idol. You all know the story. They were thrown into a fire that was so hot, the men who threw them in died from the intensity of the heat. But as you'll recall, when the king who had ordered them to be thrown into the fire looked, and he saw not three men walking around in the fire, but he saw four, and he said, the Bible said that Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, or astonished, And rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. One interesting thing we notice here is that very thing that was meant to destroy them is what actually set them free. Okay, now watch this. We all know the story, but I need everybody to listen. I'm casting a broad, broad net here today. We may, we may or may not have someone here today that's addicted to cocaine or something along that line. We may or may, I don't know, I don't know. But I do know there's people here today that virtually repent on a weekly basis but just can't maintain the lifestyle. You're clean, but you're not whole. But you to notice what happened in this story. This really pounded me this week in preparing for this. The Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, You servants of the Most High God, watch this. Come forth and come here. That didn't affect you like it did me. As these three Hebrew boys was in the middle of that fire, apparently it wasn't bothering them that much. We know later that they came out and didn't even smell like smoke. I'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to notice that a man that did not even know God called them out of that. It wasn't God calling them out of the fiery furnace. It was a sinful man. Y'all still 
I ain't into this listening thing. I need some acknowledgement that you're getting the point. We have been wandering in a burning, fiery furnace for about a year. God's not calling us out, maybe, because he's in there with us. But maybe the world is. Maybe a friend is. Maybe an enemy is. Maybe somebody that don't know God like you do is. Are you getting the point now? I believe there's somebody out there that's looking at this church and saying, Come here. Get out of that. Get out of that fire. I want to know who's in there with you. I want to know what's going on in the fire. How come you're not being burned up by all the stuff? How come y'all are so excited now? How come you're so victorious now? Come out of the fire and tell me about that God that's been in there with you. Oh, yes. Come forth. Come here. Sounds to me like they were so comfortable in the fire that they had to be ordered to get out of it. I'm wondering if maybe Grace Church, we've gotten so comfortable with this year-long fiery trial. We're doing pretty good right now. Why don't we just stay right here right now like we are? Their comfort came from the fact that even though they were in the middle of a fiery trial, their attention was not on the fire. It was on the Son of God who was in the fire with them. And folks, I really feel like, if I can stop here for a moment, that's where we are. We know God's been with us all along. He hasn't failed. We're all still here. We're still worshiping God. We're still praising God. Brother and Sister Wheeler are still starting a church. None of that has stopped. And it's almost we've gotten more comfortable in the trial or in the fire than we would be on the outside of it, victorious, being delivered from the trial. I know, I understand. But the miracle doesn't stop here. It says in the next verse, Daniel 3.27, and the prince, governors, and captains, and king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on to them. That is how God wants us to come out of our past, our trials, all of this stuff. He wants us to come out without even having the smell of smoke on us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I wonder if we could, and I'm going to get off my notes here for a second. I wonder when we're with people, if we could not talk about COVID so much, but talk about the miracle of surviving it more. I just, I don't, I think I should have preached something else this morning. It don't seem to be going too good right now. Y'all got a good dose from Brother Ben last Sunday. Now you're not hungry today. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> but I wonder if we could change our bit and perspective about the trial we've just been through. I think the, the last we've counted, and, and somebody asked us for a list of names, and we, we would not do that, of people who've had COVID. I've had it. But we've not lost anybody. Everybody has been, I think, around 50 people at Grace Church has had it. We have a family right now that has it, and they're doing fine. We've all recovered. And my heart bleeds for those who've lost people. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But could we say, very specifically, in the case of Grace Church, could we have lunch with somebody one day and just talk about how excited we are that we had it and we survived. We're just going to step out of the fire. And there's going to be people out there that says, how did you do that? How in the world did you survive it? How did your attitude come out so good about it? How come are you still wanting to live and fight another day? How is it that you're still interested? Come on, Grace Church. I'm not preaching out of a Sears and Roebuck catalog. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm tired of smelling like coffee. To be more specific, I'm tired of smelling like COVID. We can still be careful, and we are. But I believe there's people here today who are living with a smell of your past all over you. There's folks here today who've been divorced for years, but they still smell like divorce because they can't let go of the hurt and the resentment and all of that. There's people who smell like revenge and unforgiveness because they can't stop thinking about how a friend betrayed them years ago. There's people who smell like hate and rebellion all because years ago there was an event or a word of offense. I'm preaching to people here today. I'm casting a broad net. There are people here today who smell of condemnation, guilt, and fear. Maybe you had something horrible happen to you, and if you did, I'm sorry for that. But at some point, you can't move on in your life if you keep living in the ruins of yesterday's choices and circumstance. God wants to make somebody whole here today. Somebody, somebody step out of the fire right now. Why don't about five people jump to your feet and say, you know what, I like it in the fire with God, but I'm going to step out of the fire with God and my life will have more impact. I'll be more effective. I'll be more fruitful. Come on, somebody, get rid of that funky smell and put on some garments of praise and put on some worship and put on some excitement here today. This is a God moment going on right now. This is a God moment going on right now. Woo, hallelujah. Jesus said, the devil, you may be seated, the devil has come to destroy you, but I've come that you might have life. There's another story found in Luke 17. You know this one too. About 10 lepers. 10. They saw Jesus coming towards them walking down the road. And they began to call out to him. And this is what they said. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When you call out to God, when you need him, how far 
Are you willing to let him minister to you? Do you want the whole package or just part of it? You want him to come to you in the fire and y'all just live there the rest of your lives? And, or do you ever want to come out of it? Oh, my. Jesus hears their request. In verse 14 of Luke 17, he told them, Go show yourself to the priest. Y'all ready for this? The priest can pronounce you clean, but he cannot make you whole. All right. All right, I'm, I'm still in the Bible. Jesus said to go to the priest. Why? So he could pronounce them clean. I can assure you today that you could come down here and repent of your sin and I could stand on the word of God and tell you that you have beyond any shadow of a doubt been forgiven. You are clean. I can tell you that. But I'm helpless at making anybody whole. I can't put all that emotional stuff in your mind and head back together. I can't get your heart back together. All I can do is stand up here and preach loud. <clears throat> but I preach the word of God. And the Bible said, as they turned to go see the priest, that they were cleansed. But they were not And you know what, if you're a leper, and even though your nose has been eaten off by it, and your fingers and toes, it starts at the ends of the extremities of your body and works up into more and more of your body. Some of them may have not had a hand, an arm, and it oozes just horrible infection and pus and all that stuff. That was Bible time leprosy. And they believed it was contagious, so they were put out of the city. So they were separated from their family and their friends and their livelihood and everything. And they became poor beggars depending on the mercy and kindness of someone every single day to even get them food to eat, what little bit they got. So to just look at Jesus and him say, go show yourself to the priest. The minute they turn around, all that goop is gone. That has to be an amazing hallelujah moment. I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. Woo, glory. Oh, hallelujah. Look what Jesus did for me. Once I was a leper, but Jesus set me free. Y'all remember that song? Once I was a sinner, but Jesus cleansed me. Once I had cancer and Jesus healed me. And once I had this and had that, Jesus took care of me. Let me have everybody understand here today. That doesn't mean the process of God in your life is over. Has anybody here today experienced what I'm talking about where God steps into your life and everything changed?
I don't mean to be offensive, but somehow I feel like I'm preaching to the first church of the Frigidaire here today. There's people here today. I know some of you. You ought to be on your feet shouting and screaming, Pastor, you're right. Jesus did it for me, and we're sitting there like God did nothing. Maybe your leprosy wasn't a big deal. Mine was. I got something going on here today in me, man. We love the cleansing, but it doesn't stop there. God wants to make you whole. So, so if you want to be made whole, you need to come back to Jesus one more time. It's funny how we weren't too embarrassed to come to him for cleansing. But we sure don't want to come back the second time to be made whole. Pastor, I've been in this way for 30 years. And it'd be a little embarrassing to have to come back to Jesus and ask him to make me whole. You know, Brother James, if you don't mind, forgiveness is easier than permission. I'll never forget his testimony when I first met him. I'll never forget it. The, he was not, they, they were not attending a Pentecostal Apostolic Church. It was another denomination. But God was sweeping that congregation of people. Four or five hundred people, as I remember. And uh, he said one Sunday night, the choir sang and all that, and the preacher, even the pastor was all up in it. The pastor was all up in it, trying to lead the church very carefully to this move of God moment they were having. And uh, he said something swept all over him. <clears throat> he was an elder in that church, a board member, a deacon. Y'all feel me? But he said something got a hold of him that night. And he got out of his chair in front of four or 500 people and walked all the way down the aisle and got the altar and started weeping and sobbing. And as much as God met him there, so did the enemy. So did his flesh. And he felt for a moment like eyes were just judging him from behind. What did Elder James do? Did he commit adultery? Did he fall into sin? Is he an alcoholic and we didn't know it? Why is he up there repenting? And all he wanted was to have a God moment for God to give him just a little bit more. I'm coming up here to make one more trip to Jesus. Because I believe he might have a little bit more for me. Are you too embarrassed to do that today? Are you too full of shame to do that? Would you feel too conspicuous to walk up here and say, God, I need you a little bit. I have stood in this pulpit on many occasions and confessed and professed and everything else I know how to do with the word fess on the end of it and talk to you about my shortcomings and my failures. I've admitted them publicly. I don't claim to be that big of a deal when it comes to ministry and all that kind of stuff. You know all that story. But I have learned a long time ago when there's something I feel like is absent in my life or 
I feel like God has a little bit more he wants for my life. I am not going to sit on my hands and worry for a single moment about what someone else may think or what somebody else may feel about my approach to God because I've been cleansed a thousand times and more all of my life. But God is still working on me to make me whole. So every time I feel God drawing me, I'm going to step out of the fire. I'm going to step out of the trial. I'm going to quit feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to make an effort to get to Jesus because I want him to make me whole. Most of you know this, but why? The Bible said when they all left to go to show themselves to the priests, they did. And the, the law of Moses stated back then that the priest would examine them, kind of like going to the doctor. He had examined them, and then he'd give them a little document that said, you were a leper, but now you've been clean, so if you carry this piece of paper... Anybody that knows you and questions your cleansing. I'm so disappointed to see I only have three and a half minutes left up there. So disappointing. But I got one preach, so I get the impression that the rest of you are pretty much done. <clears throat> but if anybody, Brother Tony, ever questioned their cleansing, they could pull out a piece of paper and say, the priest, check me out. And according to the preacher, I'm clean. So when the church and the ministry endorses you and documents you as a clean leper, then what's the point in going back to Jesus and what do you get if you do? When you go back to Jesus and he makes you whole, you don't need the paper anymore. That's the difference. You know why? Because when this one leper, Jesus said, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? This one guy goes back and Jesus touches him again. What did Jesus do? He restored all of his facial features. He restored his hands. You would never know the man ever had leprosy. That's the difference. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm trying clock keeper back there. Clock keeper lady back there. Well, she's going to have more time. Put another hour up there. See, we all wonder why we're so, feel like we're being judged all the time. And people are so judgmental. I hear that all the time. Because you've lived a life being content with just showing them the piece of paper. The church endorses me. The preacher endorses me. My pastor says I'm okay. But the pastor down the street may think you're a heathen. So you have to dig around in your purse and pull out this piece of paper. There's a lot of people living here like that. 
There's a lot of people here right now that are living like that. I go to Grace Church and Brother Murphy says, I'm okay. But pastor, whoever down the street says, no, you're not. You come to my church and I'll show you a whole lot of things about you that ain't okay. We need to get rid of this piece of paper and quit feeling like we're obligated to show it to everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, there were nine lepers who still bore the marks of leprosy even though the leprosy was gone. They were still all scarred up from leprosy. So everybody that saw them could tell, well, you were a leper, but you're not oozing all the goop. But you were one. So I'm still a little leery to fellowship with you because you never know. But when you come back to Jesus again, and you let that relationship with God really develop like God wants it to, God can take away the scars and the flesh that had been eaten so that your best friend could look at you and never proved that you had leprosy. One more. Watch this. Watch. Everybody watch. You listening? Y'all still with me? Five more minutes. Brother Jeff Arnold used to say it because of times five more minutes and preach an hour. And everybody knew it. And he knew it. It just made you feel good for a minute. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a blind man named Bartimaeus. He heard Jesus was coming. So he cried out to him. When Jesus asked him to approach, watch what Bartimaeus did. The Bible said, and he casted away his garment and rose and came to Jesus. You have to understand with people back then in a situation like this, not just blind but lame, etc. They had a garment that was literally their house. It was their home. It was their RV. It was heavy, thick enough to cover them when it was raining and to cover them when it was cold, to hide them from their shame. It's like they walked around with a tent on their head all the time. But when he heard of Jesus, before he ever even asked Jesus a question, he cast it away, that, that represented his life, that was his identity, that was all that stuff. And Jesus said when he, the blind man got to him, he said, what would, what would you, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now here it comes. Here comes the point. Jesus said, go your way. Everybody say go your way. Here, y'all, y'all stand up and it'll make you feel better that I'm fixing to quit. Jesus said, go your way. And when he did, he was healed. Watch, watch. Watch, watch, watch. 
Jesus said, go your way. When he did, he was healed. And the next, the next verbiage says, and immediately he began to follow Jesus. Once he got that first cleansing touch from the Lord, his way became following Jesus. This is what I want to do. A lot of us here today want the healing and we say, bye Jesus, thank you, I appreciate it. And five years from now when I get in trouble again, I'll be back. not the blind man I'm following Jesus because I've realized if he can do this no matter what else happens in my life he can take care of that too so I'm just going to follow him I'm just going to follow him I wish I had time today to tell you that there's some really cool stuff going on with, with Sister Murphy and I and in our personal lives and what have you and both of us have said over and over and over it's like God moves on us and, and sometimes we do things that sounds kind of crazy but then after you kind of look back over your shoulder the steps of a good man the Bible said the order of the Lord and we try with all of our might to follow God's will and purpose not only for the church but on our personal life and so there's kind of some crazy things going on right now with us and I don't know how it's all going to end we're not leaving glad you thought that was funny and not excited but anyway ha 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 anyway but it it makes me realize that if I could just follow him I don't have to worry about this other force destroying my life if I just follow Jesus I applaud him Brother David, Sister Pharaoh, when they were going through a very dark time in their life several years ago, they never took their eyes off of Jesus. I preached a sermon here, and I actually used the same sermon for Brother Nixon's funeral. You need something to stare at, to keep a focus on, and it's Jesus, because when you take your eyes off of him, you flounder and flip and flop and all of that, and you were cleansed. But now you find yourself needing cleansed again. So here you come again. And I get cleansed again. He's faithful and just to forgive sin when we ask him. But we need to start following him. You just maintain. And remember, if you don't, that other creep out there called the devil, he just wants to destroy you whether you believe that or not, he does. So when Jesus said, go your way, he gave Bartimaeus a choice. Maybe he said that on purpose just to see what he would do. Go your way. Hoping that the way he would choose would be following Jesus. And that's what he did. And if us, if all of us here today would follow that same pattern, come out of the fire, come back to be made whole, and then follow him. Step out of your trial. Let God make you whole. Get rid of all the mess in your life so you never look like you were ever in sin and then follow Jesus it works out pretty cool as a matter of fact it works out to be amazing and your life has more fruit and prosperity and blessing brother Dave told me this morning 
kind of loud and proud. He said, I just feel like I'm favored by God. He did. He said that in my office. Was it Mary who said, I'm blessed and highly favored among women? If you follow him, you walk around with that mantra that you're not a leper anymore, but now I'm blessed and highly favored. And now there's people here today that says, well, that's a great sermon, but, and I hope brother so-and-so gets it across the aisle. I'm not talking to brother so-and-so. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to everybody here today. The last Sunday of January, if we could make that determination, this could be the year of the church, Casey. It could be, and I believe it's going to be. But it won't be unless we move beyond cleansing and come into a relationship with God that He's dreamed of out of us for years. So as they begin to sing softly, maybe there is someone here today with an addiction from nicotine, alcohol, cocaine, Somebody open your heart today. This is a God moment for somebody here. 